happy Resurrection Day Move Church. You know, we have a reason to celebrate today, and since the church is outside of the building, I wanted to join you this morning. You know, during a dark time like this, we need to remember that Jesus is alive. We can have joy because he's alive. We can have hope because he's alive. We can have faith because he's alive. We can have life because Jesus is alive. This morning, some of the men of our church, we have done a drama for you, and you're going to love it. And, uh, but before we get to that, I want to talk to you about the greatest trial of all times. It's the trial of Jesus. Our key text is John 18, beginning at verse 1. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers, and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commanders and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. You know, the trial of Jesus was the greatest betrayal of all times. It was the greatest misuse of the court system. It was the greatest indictment of formal religion. But it was the greatest thing that could have happened for all mankind. This morning, we're briefly going to look at that trial, the verdict, and the outcome. You know, Jesus actually faced two trials that first Easter. One was the Sanhedrin trial, and the other was a Roman trial. First, the Sanhedrin, where he stood before the high priest. The Sanhedrin was the supreme council for the Jews. They brought a charge against Jesus of blasphemy, but Jewish law required that they have at least two witnesses. Well, they had a hard time getting the witnesses they needed. Mark 14, 55 through 59 says, the chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they did not find any. 
Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave his false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days we'll build another not made with hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree. You know, even if they had the evidence, the Sanhedrin couldn't sentence anyone to death. That would have to come by Roman law. And they wanted Jesus dead. So without any evidence to back up their accusations against Jesus, they bound him and took him to Pilate for a Roman trial. Pilate was the Roman governor at that time, and under Roman law, he had the authority to judge. The chief priests and the Pharisees knew that the charge of blasphemy wouldn't work with Pilate because he would just consider that a religious matter. So they drummed up many other charges against Jesus, with the main one being treason. They told Pilate that Jesus was a threat to the Roman authorities because he claimed to be the king of the Jews. Mark 15, 1 through 5 says, very early in the morning, the chief priest and the elders, the teacher of the law and the whole Sanhedrin, made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. You know, Jesus refused to defend himself. This was the time for which he came. This was his mission. Mark 15, verse 6. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. In both trials, there was no evidence of guilt. Jesus was innocent but condemned to death. The verdict was crucifixion, and that was one of the cruelest forms of torture under the Roman system. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, he would be beaten, he would be whipped, he would be tortured, he would be ridiculed and hung on a cross to die between two thieves. The Creator would die for his creation and by his creation. The greatest trial of all history was the greatest abuse of justice of all time.
Now let's talk about the outcome. They buried Jesus in a borrowed tomb, but he didn't need it long. Mark 16 says this, Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. The chief priest and the Sadducees succeeded in murdering Jesus. But you know, they also succeeded in making a way for all mankind to be saved. There are three things that the trial of Christ teaches us. The first thing is this. It was my charges. You know, the charges against Christ were false. He was innocent, sinless. You and I are not. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The charge of blasphemy, I'm guilty. The charge of treason or betrayal, I'm, I'm guilty. There are many other charges that could be brought against me. What about you? 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The second thing that the trial of Jesus teaches us is this. It was my verdict. You know, because of my guilt, I deserve the death penalty. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. You know, I have no case. I have no defense. I deserve the penalty for my sins. This is the power of the Easter story. This is the reason we celebrate. God knew that we could not save ourselves from ourselves. The cross is where judgment and mercy met. Jesus took our judgment so God could show us mercy. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I love James 2.13. It says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Because of Christ, instead of guilt, we can have mercy. Instead of punishment, we can have forgiveness. Instead of death, we can have new life. The third thing that we can learn from the trial of Christ is it was for my life. Now, I really love this point because I'm going to let this short drama illustrate this point for you.
All arise. The courtroom of heaven is now in session. The honorable judge of the ages is now presiding. You may be seated. Bailiff, what is our first case? Your Honor, the case before you today is the law of God versus Mr. Denny Ivey. Is the prosecutor ready? We are more than ready, Your Honor. And is the defense ready? Yes, Almighty. We are ready. What are the charges that's being brought today against Mr. Ivey? Your Honor, the charges against Mr. Ivey are many. According to your law, he is guilty of many violations and deserves to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. Again, those are your laws. I would like to call my first witness, please. Bailiff, would you swear this witness in, please? Place your hand on the Bible. As I place it on the Bible, do you promise that the testimony that you are giving today is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? You may be seated. Mr. Mon, is that spelled M-O-N? And first name is D, correct? Mr. D. Mon, do you know the accused? I know that you're unable to speak in such a holy place, but didn't you tell me that you have seen the accused breaking the law? Did you tell me that you have seen the accused tell a lie? And didn't you also tell me that you have seen the accused Steal something. And didn't you tell me that you have seen the accused gossiping about his friends? Your most excellence. With this one witness alone, it has already been established that Mr. Ivy is guilty of three charges, and there are more. I have no further questions for this witness. Counselor of the defense, do you have any questions for this witness? No, Almighty. I have no questions. Witness may be excused.
Your Honor, I would like to call my next witness, and that would be none other than the defendant's counselor, the Holy Spirit. That is unprecedented, and I do not believe that I will allow that in my court. But Almighty, if in fact this man is innocent, who better to say so than his counselor? I will allow it this time. Bailiff, would you wear this witness in, please? <clears throat> will you place your hand on the Bible? Do you promise that the testimony you are giving today is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So I'll help you, uh, him? Yes. All I speak is the truth. <laughs> you may be seated. How does it feel to bear witness? Satan, that is enough. Mr. Counselor, how long have you known the defendant? I have known him since before he was able to take his first breath. <laughs> well, then you know just how guilty he is. Are you aware that Mr. Ivy is guilty of lust, not just one time, but many times? Yes, I'm aware of that. Then you should also be aware that Mr. Ivy is guilty of greed and hatred and unforgiveness. Are you aware of that, Counselor? Yes, I'm aware of that. Your Honor, you've heard it from one of your very own. Mr. Ivy has sinned more than can be counted. He is guilty and deserves to be punished. I rest my case. Holy Spirit, you may step down. Is the defense ready to state his case? Almighty, my client has decided to plead guilty to all charges with the hope of being granted leniency. Mr. Ivey, do I understand that you have nothing to say in defense of these charges being brought to you today? Father, I'm guilty. Then I have no choice but to consider the evidence being brought before me by the accuser. Therefore, I am obligated to render a verdict in this case. Benny Ivey, stand. By the power vested in me, by me, I declare this man. Heavenly Father, by the blood that I shed on the cross for his sins, I declare that he be set free from all charges. Your Honor, I object. Overruled by the blood of my son, this man is free.
case dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. He's guilty. He is He's guilty. Come on, let's get out. I'm coming back for you. Let's go. Any one of us could sit in the seat of the accused. Now, all of us have the same verdict. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You know, with many people, Jesus is still on trial. They don't believe him to be who he says he is. They don't see him as the king of kings. They have not made him the Lord of their life. You know, Jesus asked those of us that have received him to be his witness. So this Easter Sunday, I'm going to ask you to celebrate the risen Savior and do just that. Witness him. So at the close of this message, after we take communion, I'm going to ask you to share a two or three minute testimony on your Facebook page including what your life was before Christ, how you met him, and how your life is today. Before we take communion together, first I have to ask if there's anyone that has not received Christ as their Savior, and today you want to, there is no better day than today. Today is the day of salvation. So the way we do it here at Move Church, we all pray it together, and it's a prayer that we call the commitment prayer. And if you would... Ask, would like to ask Jesus to become the Lord of your life, or if you're just away from God and you know your relationship with him is not what it's supposed to be, would you pray this prayer with us? Move church, can we all pray it together? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Would you forgive me for all my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? And I'm going to do my very best to live for you. Amen. I mean, if you prayed that prayer, if you'll just drop a, a note in the comment section, let us know. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to celebrate with you. Now let's take communion together. You know, in 1 Corinthians, it says this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, the bread is symbolic of the body of Christ, which was beaten and broken for us. And normally when we take the bread, we pray for healing, and you can definitely do that. But I also want us to pray for the church, the church as a whole, the body of Christ, but also move church. So if you have your bread or your cracker or whatever you have, God sees your heart. Let's take it now, and I would love to say a prayer with us. Uh, let me pray first. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your church. God, I thank you that even uh, during times like this, we can't meet together. But Lord, we are. We have union together in you. Your spirit is everywhere. And it's your spirit 
that bonds us all together. God, I pray for Move Church. I pray for everyone that is a part of this body and those that will be a part of this body. God, I pray you bless them, keep them, protect them, bring us all back together and let us for be forever changed. Let us have a heart of revival, a heart of evangelism where we reach the lost. God, let us see your spirit continue to move in our lives. And uh, Lord, I don't ever want us to go back just the same way. I want us to be forever changed for your glory. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that are sick in body today. God, I pray you would touch and heal today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray and we believe a healing for those that need a touch, God, whatever that may be, emotionally, physically, even financially, God, I pray a miracle for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, let's take the bread together. You know, the scripture continues in verse 25, and it says this. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So now I'd like to lead you in a prayer, thanking God for our sins being forgiven. And y'all that just prayed the salvation prayer for the first time, or you can rejoice with this part. But I also want us to pray for the lost, those that need Christ. And, uh, and we want to pray that this Easter they find the reason we celebrate a new life in Christ Jesus. Can we pray it together, church? God, I thank you that our sins have been forgiven. Everyone, Lord, that has received you, you have um, wiped our sins away. We stand before you righteous. Nothing within ourselves, only you, Christ, have made us righteous. So we're so thankful this Easter Sunday to have forgiveness of sins and have a relationship with God. And we pray together, Lord, for all those that need you, Lord, that need forgiveness, that need a Savior. And we ask, Lord, that you would move on their hearts. Use us, God, to reach them. And we know you will. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's take the juice together or whatever you have at your house. Let's take it together. You know, it's definitely a different kind of Easter Sunday, but I'm telling you, it's going to be an Easter Sunday we'll remember forever. And we can celebrate together. We can celebrate through video. Celebrate at your house today. Don't forget, testify. Be a witness for Christ. Put your story on Facebook and um, tag me on, on my page. I would love to see it. Hey, God bless you. Let's celebrate all day long. Go in peace.